0: Hey, we're so happy you found us online. The message you're about to hear was recorded live at Grace Family Church. We're a community following the call to love God, love people, and make a difference. We meet at four locations around Durban and at graceonline.tv. Go ahead and share this message, or you can download it and listen to it in your car or at home later today. Wherever you are in the world, wherever you're listening from, thank you for connecting with us, and may you be encouraged by the message coming up next. year has come and gone another year where we got to join God's mission to heal the world reaching 5 million people through container ministry donations and a further 7,000 people through missions and justice activities like day and night missions more than 1,000 homeless people were clothed at the annual street store and more than 8,500 people benefited from Thanksgiving buckets your heart to make a difference has enabled us as a church to train up more than 200 micro-entrepreneurs and over 300 men and women have been equipped this year with skills in the area of sewing, crochet, farming and job readiness. This has enabled them to develop a new way of providing for their families and uplifting their communities. Of these participants, 98% said that they now felt confident to go into a job interview and more than 90% left feeling more hopeful and purposeful. There's a- to love God, love people, and make a difference, this community and the greater Durban area has benefited from over 22,000 hours of free counseling. You've made meals that have been distributed to more than 1,000 families in need. You've served faithfully on Sundays, bringing that come-as-you-are feel to every person who walks through these doors. Lives have been changed through the Alpha course, with over 500 people attending in 2019. And over 1,600 people have found a group where they can feel known, cared for, and included. It's been an adventure of following Jesus at Grace Kids. And each week, we've seen over 400 kids learn more about the love of Jesus. 580 kids were reached through holiday clubs. And more than 500 parents have been equipped with Faith at Home content every month.
1: Church. Not only do we meet at four campuses around this awesome city, but we also meet online with families from around the world. Today is also the official launch of our Cornubia campus. How awesome
2: is God? We celebrate what He has done, what He is doing, and what He is yet to do. We give thanks and we give praise. Every one of these numbers you've heard and seen represent a life that has been moved and changed by the work of
1: God. Grace Family Church is not a building the people it's you one church many locations on a mission God's mission to heal the world today we want to thank you for your part to play in this we
2: are so excited for what's to come as we trust God's plan
1: Yes, Grace Family Church. I've watched that video a number of times now, and I I just kind of, I get so emotional every time I watch it, just to see uh, kind of God's hand on this church, and to see the faces of people, uh, you who've who've served and who've sacrificed, not just in 2019, but for years, and and faces of people that that I love and have loved us as a family, and it's just, for, for me, this is church. You know, church is not about... A Sunday services. It's not about programs or about buildings. Church is about people gathered together in His name. As Paul said, I think 2019 has been a tough year. It's certainly been a tough year for me, for my family. There's been change. There's been transition. There's been unexpected bumps along the way. But honestly, when I watch that video, it kind of fills me with a sense of hope. Hope that, that God is at work. Hope that God has is, 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 is got this, that He's working. Even when we feel it, even when we don't, He's working. I love the lyrics of that song. I mean, we wrote that song. That's a Grace Family Church song. I love that. It says, there's a light that shines in the darkness, a chapter beginning, a new hope stirring, one people, one nation, one God over all of creation. Let's pray as we kind of get into the message this morning. Father, we thank you for all that Christmas means, for all that it represents, that you came into this world, that, that, you, that this is a, a message of hope and of new life. And we're so desperate for that in our own lives and in our country and in our world. And so we, we cry out to you, have your way in us, we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, why don't you, I know Paul's already got you to say hi to someone, but why don't you turn to your second choice and say, give them a high five or a handshake or a hug. Just say hi, Merry Christmas. There we go. Don't hug them if you don't know them. Um, That's kind of weird. To the kids, uh, it's awesome having the kids in the service, and uh, I hope you guys got your coloring in books and kind of got some stuff to do, but, but I love having the kids around Christmas uh, children bring such a sense of joy to christmas don't they my two little boys my one boy was up at 4 55 a.m where he was up ready to open those presents the other oak was still dossing seven o'clock anyway but but i came across these letters that that children had written to god these are real letters uh, that kind of for me express so much of, of of the heart of christmas so relevant for today and so i want to read you some of those letters written on christmas dear god Please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There's nothing good in there now. <laughs> Amen, Ginny. You know what I mean? Like preach it. Okay. Um, I love this next one. Uh, Dear God, if you watch at church on Sunday, I'll show you my new shoes. <laughs> oh, man. Here's a good one. Dear God, if you give me genie lamp like Aladdin, I will give you anything you want, except my money or my chest set. <laughs> Ever prayed a prayer like that? Dear God, I'll do anything if you get me through this. Just not that. But, but, dear God, here's a good one. I bet it is very hard for you to love all of everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family, and I can never do it. <laughs> I feel like my kids wrote that one again. <laughs> This is my favorite one, Joyce. Dear God, thank you for the baby, brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> Is there a return policy? How does this work? Okay. But as I was preparing for this message this morning, I was kind of wondering, what am I going to preach about? It's my first Christmas actually as the Amschlange campus pastor here at Amschlange. And so I'm kind of nervous and I'm thinking, well, I better pull something out the bag and preach some interesting, you know, edgy Christmas message. And then I kind of realized, you know what? The only thing I can really talk about on Christmas is Jesus. Because that's what it's all about. It's about Jesus' birthday. It's the day we remember and celebrate the birth of our Savior. And I think that's why we love Christmas so much, actually, because in the midst of the hustle and bustle, in the midst of trends and fads that come and go year in and year out, we love Christmas because the message of Christmas never goes out of style. And it's a message of hope. It's a message of new life and of great joy and of good news. And it never goes out of style. Uh, C.S. Lewis put it like this. At Christmas, we celebrate the central event in the history of the earth, the very thing the whole story has been about. That's what we celebrate on Christmas. Now, I get it. For a lot of people, resistance to Christianity, it kind of revolves around this question, you know. And for me, it was this question for a long time. Is it true? I mean, is it true? Did it actually, you know, and maybe that's you. Maybe that's you today. And if you don't believe that, you know, the story of Jesus or that the story of Christianity is true. And let me just say this. You probably have good reason not to believe. I'm sure you're a smart person and I'm sure you've, you've looked into it. And, and if you don't believe, I'm sure you have reasons you don't believe. And for a lot of people, kind of this, this is the question they wrestle with. Is it true? Did Jesus even exist? Did he do all those things? And that's why I love uh, reading the Gospel of Luke, because there's four Gospels, but Luke's Gospel is kind of very matter-of-fact. Luke was a doctor, and he kind of he, he writes everything kind of very systematically. And I love how uh, Luke starts his Gospel, because we're going to read the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, but Luke chapter 1, this is how he starts. He says, many, not just me, but many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. In other words, this is important. This this happened in our lifetime. This happened amongst us. They used eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. And now having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write a careful account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so that you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. And then he actually anchors the story in a specific time in history. In those days, he says, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And other historical documentation would also account for that exact census that took place at the time of Jesus' birth. And what I love about this opening of of Luke's gospel is, you know, this is not some sort of fairy tale. This is not like once upon a time in Bethlehem. (laughs) This is not long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's it's long ago in a Galilee, far, far away. See what I did there, Star Wars fans? Okay, I'm with you. One nerd's like, woo! Um, but here's a guy who says, I've investigated it. I've spoken to eyewitnesses. I want to make sure somebody writes down an orderly account so that future generations, you and I would know what happened here amongst us. Is it even true? Now more and more in our culture, and I think people I speak to, the question isn't so much for them, is it true? But maybe the question is, is it good? Is it good? I mean, is it good news? That's how the birth of Jesus was first announced, as good news. Luke chapter 2, Luke speaks about this angel visiting the shepherds, and these shepherds are terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I have good news for you. Say good news even though people are in the overflow, say good news. There we go. A message that will fill everyone, say everyone, with great joy. I won't let you repeat anything else after this. Okay, you're safe now. Okay, you can rest easy. But this is good news for everyone that will fill with great joy. And what I love about the story is that the shepherds, I mean, these guys were outsiders. They were nobodies. They were low in society. In fact, the religious leaders considered them unclean. They weren't worthy of worshiping in the temple. And yet this angel appears to these outsiders, these shepherds, and says, we want you to be the first to know what God is doing in the world. And so it was good news for everyone. In fact, if it's not good news for everyone, it's not the good news. So this is the question so many still wrestle with. Is it good? Even if it's true or partially true, is it good? Is Christianity good for society? Is it good for humanity? Is Christianity good for my children? Is it good for me? Or is it dangerous? Is it harmful? Should we dispense with all religion because all religion is harmful, including the message of Christianity? You see, for me, growing up, it didn't really feel like good news to me maybe it didn't to you either. I mean, for me, I kind of probably would have called myself a Christian if you'd asked me, but it, that was more of like a, a kind of a cultural framework. It was sort of something people just did, like a ritual. And I would kind of go to church every now and then, but it, it wasn't really something that made sense to me, didn't feel relevant to my life. Um, and, and, so, and there were many things that sort of kept me for a long time pursuing a relationship with God. It was like There was a part of me that thought, well, maybe this is just untrue. Maybe this is just a neurotic response to life. And and we've just created this imaginary guy in the sky to kind of make us feel better about life or death or whatever. Uh, I thought Christians in general were pretty weird. Um, Now I know we're all weird. (laughs) Okay, Um, Everyone's normal till you get to know them, right? Um, I thought Christians were hypocrites. That one can kind of be true. I, I thought church was boring. That was my experience of church growing up, a kind of uh, Robert Louis Stevenson once wrote in his journal as if it was like by surprise. He says, I have been to church today and I am not depressed. (laughs) Like, wow, what a day. And this was kind of my experience with church. Religion for me was just something in the way of my enjoyment. God was kind of this killjoy. And, And religion was used as something that could suppress and control people and just kind of create another burden for people to carry around. Stephen Fry, the British comedian, says this, what more is a halo than just one more thing to keep clean? And so I had these kind of thoughts, and, and I guess ultimately there was a pride, a pride that really kept me from pursuing God, because I thought, I thought, honestly, I thought I had it all worked out. I thought life was going pretty well for me. I got this thing. I don't really need God. I think most, you know, young 20s think that way. But, but, but now, of course, I realize that is, in fact, the most dangerous place to be in life. And when I look at the scriptures, the only people I see Jesus ever really publicly rebuking are the religious leaders of the day who claimed to have it all together, to have all the answers. Now looking back, I realize most of those kind of objections or assumptions were exactly that. They were just kind of assumptions based not on any sort of objective reality. And all of those assumptions, they eventually just kind of came crumbling down as I simply decided to pursue This person called Jesus, the so-called Savior, this baby whose birth we celebrate today. You see, at the end of the day, whatever you think about church or religion or Christians or even the Bible, it doesn't, I mean, even that, I mean, just think about this. There were tens of thousands of Christians for hundreds of years before we had the Bible as we have it today. And Christianity did pretty well in that period. The Bible did not create Christianity. It's the other way around. As Andy Stanley puts it, our faith does not rest on an inspired book, but rather on an event that inspired the book, <laughs> the resurrection of Jesus. And when that's a subject for another day. But whatever you think about all that stuff, it doesn't really matter. What matters is who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? And maybe you've had a bad experience with church or with Christians, you know, some guy said he was a Christian and stole your money, whatever. I mean, that's that's happened to us. But but Gandhi famously said this. He says, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. They are so unlike your Christ. And unfortunately, he's right. But nevertheless, the question still remains. Who is Jesus? And how is it that today we sit in this room, joining with billions of other people around the world to celebrate the birth of a carpenter's son born into obscurity in a small town called Nazareth. Who was this man? And that's what I want to kind of talk just a little bit about today and just kind of look at the impact of Jesus' life throughout the ages. And then we're going to get real practical of what this actually means for you and I today. Firstly, we know from history, Jesus was real. He existed In a certain place, in a certain time, he walked the earth. Roman historians, Tacitus, Suetonius, many, many others, Jewish historians, um, Josephus, who was writing at the time of Jesus, he wrote extensively about Jesus' life, his death, and his alleged resurrection. So there's much documentation outside of the Bible. Um, In fact, most other world religions acknowledge Jesus um, as a prominent historical figure. Uh, regardless of their religious beliefs, no serious historian would deny that Jesus of Nazareth existed. There's just simply too much evidence. Now, at this point, many people would say, well, sure, he existed, he was a man, but just that, maybe a great man, maybe a great religious teacher, but, but, but just human being, not the son of God. And I get that. But there's so much more when you look into the scriptures, when you look and beyond that, there's just so much more to suggest that Jesus was far more than a great man or a religious teacher. There were the things that he said about himself. Most religious teachers point away to themselves towards God. Jesus says, if you want to know what God's like, look at me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He claimed to be God. That's what got him killed. There are things that he did, his miracles, his lifestyle of unconditional love and acceptance of all people, regardless of their station or their their status. There's his incredible character that even while he's being nailed to the cross, he could look at those men in their eyes and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Who was this man? Then, of course, there's his resurrection, his conquest over death, which is really the cornerstone of Christianity. The whole thing hinges on resurrection. No resurrection, no Christianity. It's the event that inspired the book. Sure, some wish to doubt this, but without going into all the detail, I'm not yet. But the evidence surrounding the resurrection of Jesus is actually quite staggering when you look into it. And if you want to find out more, if you're kind of wired that way and you like to know all the, the interesting facts and stuff surrounding it, I encourage you, as Paul said, come on our Alpha course. It starts across all our campuses next year, and every week it kind of systematically goes through the evidence surrounding Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. It's a safe space to ask all those kinds of questions. But, but, but on top of all of that, there's the undeniable impact of Jesus' life throughout history, a man by the, uh, John Ortberg, he wrote a book on this and kind of helped me to see the significance of Jesus' imprint on our world. A guy by the name of Yuroslav Pelikan, he's a Yale historian, he wrote this, regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure in the history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. If it were possible with some sort of super magnet to pull up, to suck up out of that history every scrap of metal bearing at least a trace of his name how much would be left? And he goes on to explain that there would be in fact very little left. Everything bears the imprint of Jesus. Let me give you just some examples, then we're gonna get practical. But firstly, Jesus changed how we think about history, about time. Just think about the fact that our calendars, that time as we know it is measured according to AD and BC, before Christ and after Christ. And I don't think that's kind of a random fact. I think the creation of the calendar as we know it is not a chronological convenience. It's a theological statement that life in the universe is not random. It's not an accident. There's a story with a storyteller. Whatever your thoughts on Jesus, the fact remains 2,000 years after the birth of this carpenter. Every time any human being opens up a newspaper, boots up a computer, looks at the date, we are reminded every day that Jesus Christ has in fact become the hinge of human history. Caesar died in the year of our Lord, 68 AD. Napoleon, the emperor of the world, died in the year of our Lord, 1821. You see, at the time of Jesus' birth, the most important man in the world was Caesar Augustus. I spoke about this a few weeks ago on Sunday, but Caesar Augustus was the son of Julius Caesar. And Julius Caesar, when he died, was considered divine. And so Caesar Augustus often got called the son of God. And Caesar Augustus was a great military leader, and he brought peace to Rome, Pax Romana. He ended the civil war, Anthony and Cleopatra, and he became known as the Soter, the savior of Rome. And so when his inauguration was announced across the empire, it was announced as good news. So think about it, the four terms used to describe Caesar Augustus, savior, son of God, bringer of peace, good news. And now here is this angel who comes to the shepherds to announce the real good news, the true savior, the true Messiah. And isn't it strange, guys, isn't it strange that the only time you ever hear about Caesar Augustus is when we tell the story of Jesus? The first emperor of Rome has now become a footnote in the story of a Jewish carpenter. We name our children after the friends of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We name our dogs Caesar and Nero. <laughs> Someone in the first service, when I said that, said, hey, boy. I said, highborgs, hey, right. Maybe Jesus was not Lord of Lords and King of Kings, but how strange that now every ruler who ever reigned, every nation that rises and falls, must be dated in reference to the life of Jesus. Who was this man? Many of our laws were originally based on teaching of Jesus, our constitutions, ideas like compassion and equality for all men and women. These were new ideas for people in Jesus' day. In that day, if you were sick or orphaned or you were considered cursed by God and you were literally cast out of society to die. There were, there were plaques around Rome that you can still see today that say this. We drown children at birth when they are weak and abnormal. This was the world. This was the norm of the day. But then something shifted, something changed in history like never before and it can be marked back to the resurrection of Jesus, that these ragtag group of Christ followers, they called themselves followers of the way, they began to look after the sick and care for the poor and they remembered what their teacher Jesus said about uh, bringing the children unto him and caring for the sick and it was followers of Christ, look it up, who started the first orphanages, the first hospitals. These things never existed before Jesus. And so whenever you say the word Salvation Army or Red Cross or World Vision, you speak, know it or not, of the movement of Jesus. Who was this man? Jesus' teaching also shaped education as we know it in profound ways. I mean, it was actually Christian monks who started to gather manuscripts together in order to educate other people. No one had ever done that before. And they believed that that all truth was God's truth and that we ought to worship God with our minds and our hearts and our souls. And so they began to educate. It was Christian monks who started the first university in Paris in the 12th century. And then in the 13th century, Cambridge and Oxford. You see, the truth is we're making progress in every field of science and technology, but no one has ever improved on the moral teachings of Jesus. His words were the greatest words ever spoken. They're the kind of words you'd expect God to speak. Who was this man? One more example, and then we're going to turn to kind of look at what this looks like for us. But, But I could go on and on, but I love this, and I've preached on this before, but the most famous speech in the 20th century was a speech by Martin Luther King Jr. You know the speech, the I Have a Dream speech. And if you watch the video of that speech, Martin Luther King, he's preaching from a prepared speech and he starts to quote from the Bible. He reads from the prophet Amos and he says this, we will not be satisfied till justice rolls like the waters and we will not be satisfied till righteousness rolls like a mighty stream. And the crowd, man, the crowd listening on that day, they could not keep quiet. They start to cheer, they start to applaud, they start to like like a church crowd, amen, preach it, preach it, Martin. Not this kind of church crowd, but just when's this oak going to be finished? Get out of (laughs) here. Anyway, this crowd, they start to preach. They start to say, amen. And one of the ladies shouts out from the side, "Tell tell them about the dream, Martin. Tell them about the dream. And then he leaves the prepared text and he starts. He goes like a prophet. He goes from Amos to Isaiah. He says, I have a dream that one day all children of God will be judged no longer by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that every valley will be raised up and every mountain will be brought down. The glory of God will be revealed and all flesh will see it together. I have a dream. And you see, this dream, I don't think this was Martin Luther King's dream so much as it's God's dream, Jesus' dream. It's always been his dream to make the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. And I don't think that speech was a secular speech. I don't think a secular speech would move the human heart like that or move society like that did. This is Jesus at work. Who is this man? It changed the course of human history. Jesus was not a political figure. He had no connections with Herod or with Caesar or with Rome. He led no military action. He never wrote a book. He never traveled. His followers were uneducated and ridiculously unimportant people. And yet 2,000 years later, here we are gathering together to celebrate his birthday. And it's virtually impossible to imagine our world apart from his imprint on it. Who, oh, there's, one, there's, one, there's one Martin Luther King here. Woo, preacher. Okay. So what does this look like? What does this mean for you and for me? Think, Well, that sounds great, interesting information, Tom, but what does this actually look like for your life and mine in 2019 and in 2020? Two very simple ideas as we close. The first is this, pursue Him. Whether you've been a Christian your whole life, whether you're still figuring this thing out, you're kind of looking, you maybe just, you know, you pursue him pursue the person of Jesus never mind church never mind the what the christian said or did about you your bad experience all just put that aside and just ask the question who is Jesus to you who is this man and let me just say i want to make this absolutely crystal clear if you get nothing else out of today just get this just hear this grace family church is a church that welcomes all without judgment come as you are No T's and C's apply. (laughs) No check boxes on the welcome mat. Everyone is invited. Everyone is encouraged to come and to participate in what God is doing. Regardless of background, belief, race, age, gender, class, sexuality, whatever else. All these other things that we use to divide ourselves. Whether you, you know, you're seeking, whether you are you know Jesus, whether you're a skeptic, whether you just got dragged here by someone and you're still trying to figure out how you got here, we want you to know this is your place. This is your place. And if you're here today, and if you're honest, kind of maybe, maybe you're the only one who knows this, but deep down you're kind of feeling broken, or you're stressed out, or you feel like you've run dry. Maybe you know you know God, but It's kind of stagnated. The arrival of Jesus is good news for everyone. It's still good news for the outcast, for the confused, for the stagnant, for the sinful, for the doubtful, and for the broken. Ed Stetsner says this, a church without the broken is a broken church. So come as you are. At the same time, I also want you to know that we unapologetically believe to the very core of our being that Jesus Christ is the answer. He's the answer to our world's problems, that Christ didn't just come to save you, and for me it's not just a personal thing, it's a systemic thing. He came to redeem all of humanity, all of creation, back to himself. And we believe at Grace Family Church that we as the church are called to partner with him in that, to join his mission to heal the world, to be his hands and feet, as Mother Teresa would say, to have calloused hands and soft hearts, to be a voice for the voiceless, to uplift the poor, to feed the hungry, to do all of that stuff, not just to come together and sing nice songs on Sunday, you know, kumbaya, you know, and then not do anything out there. No. And yokes laugh, but I check you, yokes are worshiping, you oh, Jesus. Yeah. And then in the parking lot, <laughs> Why don't he just turn left? (laughs) We have like a security team for the parking lot because Yoke's so... (laughs) And you laugh, but it's it's funny because it's true. Um, (laughs) But I'm convinced we will never change the world by going to church. We'll change the world by being the church. G.K. Chesterton said it like this. Just going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in your garage makes you a car. (laughs) Church is not the answer. Church is just a means to help us get to the answer. The answer is Jesus Christ. And I will keep declaring that as long as I have breath in my lungs. And he's not just the answer to our world's problems. He's the answer to your problems too. I'm absolutely convinced Jesus is the answer to your marriage. He's the answer to your relationships. He's the answer to that struggle. He's the answer to that addiction, to that sin that you just stuck in. I believe Jesus is the answer to the questions you're asking. Maybe you don't even know you're asking. I believe he is the peace that you're looking for, a peace that I'm telling you now, no car or job promotion or better house or experience or holiday will ever be able to give you peace of Christ and that's my prayer for every single one of us here for you and for me is that we would experience day by day Sunday by Sunday more and more of God's grace and his power and his presence in our lives and so pursue him pursue him and see what will happen none of us are perfect but I believe we are perfectly loved that is the message of the gospel that is the message of Christmas. So pursue Him. I'm gonna ask the band to come up. and We're gonna, we're gonna close by singing a little bit of that song we sung earlier, the, our grace song as a declaration of praise. But before we do that, I just wanted to sneak in the second point because I think it's so, so important. Not only that we would pursue Him, but that we would trust Him. That we would trust Him. Here's what I'm aware of. I'm fully aware that many in this room this is not a normal Christmas. I understand. For, I know families this year that will spend Christmas around a hospital bed. I know families this year who, for them, this is their first Christmas without their child. And it's hard. And it's devastating. But even in the midst of all of that, I'm absolutely persuaded Jesus is the answer and his arrival is still good news that he can provide you today with the strength and the courage and the hope and above all the peace which does it supersedes your circumstances so trust him that's what faith is you see i'm convinced perfect faith is not faith that moves god it's faith that trusts god even when it seems like he's not moving So for some of you here this morning, maybe you feel like God is not moving in your life or he hasn't moved and you feel alone. And I'm here to remind someone here this morning, he is at work, he is, even in your pain, even in that situation, he loves you, he has a plan for your life, it's going to be okay. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So pursue him who knows where it will lead and trust him for he is trustworthy. So just before we kind of close in prayer and we sing this song, please don't leave. I just wanna create a, a space and a moment here for everyone. And I know you've got things to get to and Christmas lunches and parking lots and all that stuff. but. But I want to just end by showing you a series of pictures, and these pictures, I kind of stole them from a guy named Charlie, and, and they really, for me, sum up everything I've been trying to say, the message of the gospel, the message of Christmas. I see lots of kids in the, in the auditorium, they're coloring in, and my boys love to color in, and I've got this picture of a, of a kind of a well-colored in picture. I, I think that's pretty well-colored in, right? I mean, everything's in the lines, nothing's kind of out the lines, it's, it's all in the same direction, the colors are right, and... And the reason I show you that is because that's kind of how I thought Christianity was. (laughs) I thought that if you did, that's what Christianity, that's what it meant to be a Christian. is to Color in the lines. Be a good boy. Do the right thing. And I figured if you did that, then you'd get this. You'd get loved. You'd get accepted. You'd get welcomed. The problem is with that view of the gospel, which is untrue. The problem is this is my life. Most of the time. I mean, on a good day with the wind behind me, this is the best I got up here, guys. I've come to church preaching on forgiveness while having a fight in the car with my wife. I mean, this is messy stuff. But here's the truth here's the truth. We are loved. None of us are perfect, but we are perfectly loved. And the reason we're loved. The reason that's true is because of the cross. It's the cross of Jesus. Absolutely. And let me just say, the cross, the cross is not something you can achieve. It's unachievable. It's simply something we receive. So I'm gonna ask you to stand right now. And if you'd like to receive that, I wanna just create a moment for you to do that. And it's real simple. We don't have to make this more complicated than it is, but I get i get a sense. Please just hang around. Don't leave. This is a space, a sacred space. I believe God wants to do something significant. There's some people in this room, you know, today is the day. You need to cross over that dividing line from B.C. to A.D. And to trust in Jesus, this man who changed everything, who changed my life. And please hear me. I mean, I. can we just... It was a beautiful background. Thank you, Tyler. But sometimes I feel like it's like, ooh, we're just trying to create this mood and just a haze and give us your money. You know, we're just like <laughs> sneaking that in there. <laughs> I killed the moment. But, it's, but I'm not here to play church games, guys. I'm not here to say some special, uh, you know, fancy speech and coerce someone into something. No, no, no. If this is not the time, that's fine. But don't let that be an excuse that this is the time that you, I'm just simply standing, standing between life and death and pleading with you to reconcile with your heavenly father because he loves you and he has a plan for your life. So we can, we can bring the Holy Spirit back now and it's going be fine. But it's just real simple, real, just three words. Sorry, thank you, please, three phrases. Sorry, thank you, please. Sorry for what I've done. What I knew I should have done, did, but didn't do. Thank you for what you've done for me on the cross, Jesus. Please, won't you come into my life? I want you to be in charge. I want you to be Lord and Savior. Sorry, thank you, please. In the Christmas Eve service, there's was a little boy up front. must have been eight years old. And as we closed the service, I could just see him out loud. He prayed, sorry, thank you, please. So Simple. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or come forward or do anything like that. But right where you are, if these words are detonating in your soul right now and you know today's the day, you can just pray a simple prayer. Sorry, thank you, please. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for every life represented here. Lord, I thank you that you came to earth, that you put on skin, moved into the neighborhood, that you know what it is to feel pain, to feel the range of human emotions, to be alone alone. To be rejected and you took all of that upon yourself so that we might have life and have it in all its fullness so we're sorry we're thankful and we want you please come into our lives in Jesus name amen